Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the motivation and inspiration podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is Jack Canfield talking about why you can achieve anything. I truly believe the best way to achieve your goals is to have the mindset and confidence to do it. Because of this, I believe that the law of attraction is probably one of the most important things in life. You have to be able to see yourself achieving something. You have to be able to feel yourself achieving something. And you have to believe that it's actually achievable. The law of attraction isn't just something you say. It's something you say, do, and feel. So whenever you're out there really thinking about if you can achieve your goals or not, just remember this. You have to see yourself doing it. You have to feel yourself achieving it. And you have to feel like you can do it. These are all simple things, but people forget all the time. Well, that's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I truly hope you enjoy today's episode. Sleep for six. Run for 18, sleep for six. So he was running so slow, when he got up to the part where everyone was gone to bed, they were all asleep. No one told him to stop and go to bed. So he just kept running on by. He ran nonstop for five and one half days and broke the record by 12 hours. See, sometimes what you think you know gets in the way of what's possible. If you believe you can do something, you can figure it out. But you have to believe. You have to believe it's coming into your life. I love this quote. It says, never tell anyone something cannot be done. God may have been waiting for centuries for somebody ignorant enough of the impossible to do that very thing. You know, you think of all the technologies we have. The airplane. FedEx. When the guy that put FedEx together... He was an MBA student at Yale, and he presented the paper that outlined the FedEx process. They gave him an F on it and said, it's not possible. It will never happen. And now when you think it absolutely positively has to be there overnight, you go, what? FedEx. So everything that exists started out as somebody's dream, somebody's idea, and nine times out of ten, they told you it couldn't happen. Here's a kid named Farah Gray, 19 years old, born in the ghetto, mother's on welfare. At the age of six, he starts his first company. By the age of 11, he has three companies. Now, they're small. They do things like take rocks, paint them, go door to door, and sell them as paperweights. But he made $50 his first day doing that, which was more than his mother made when she was the housekeeper. And then he got a bunch of kids together, and they would go to older people, and they'd say, we'll go buy your groceries for you and bring them back in our wagons. You just give us a couple of bucks. He gave one to the guy who went to get the groceries, kept one for himself, had a thing going. By the age of 12, he'd created something called the Urban Neighborhood Education Economic Council, called Unique. He was getting businessmen like many of you and Harv and people like that to come in and speak to the other kids who were 12 and 13 to teach them business practices. By the age of 14, he had read a book by Deepak Chopra called The Seven Laws of Spir- The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. One of them was the law of least effort. In other words, the thing that is the least effort for you, the thing that's easiest to do, that you can't imagine people would pay you for, is the thing that you need to go for, the thing you love to do. He said, what do I love? I love food, and I love kids. 
So what I'm going to do is start a food company for kids. He said, what do kids like? Kids like sweet things. So he created a syrup, like a maple syrup type thing that his grandmother used to have a recipe for. And in one and a half years, he built that company up to, now he's all of 16, and he sells it for one and a half million dollars. He drops out of high school, moves to Las Vegas, starts a newspaper, opens a real estate agency, then a real estate development company, then he writes a book called The Rillionaire at the age of 19, and he's worth tens of millions of dollars. Why? Because he believed he could do anything he wanted to do. He said, if someone else can do it, I can do it. If Harv can do it, you can do it. If Mark can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. There's no, if Eric Weinmayer, a blind guy, can climb Mount Everest, there's nothing we can't do. But you have to believe it. So every project you create, you believe you're going to create, you're going to, get, you're going to get the result you want. Oprah Winfrey said, you do not become what you want, you become what you believe. When I was on the Oprah Winfrey show, sitting next to her, the auric field that came out of her, the level of charisma would almost knock you over. And she said, I believed this stuff long before it was called the secret and so on and so forth. But she believed as a little child, I can do anything I want. And she went out and did it. So can you. Step number four says, release the brakes. It's another way of saying create a vibrational match. And I'll just talk about this for a few minutes and I think my time's going to run out here. Now, how do we do that? In order to receive something into our life, we have to be feeling the feelings we would feel if we already had the thing that we want to come into our life. So I have to feel like a millionaire before the million can come in. I have to feel abundant. I have to feel full of love before I attract the love I want. Gandhi said, be the thing you want. So if you want love, be loving. You want joy, be joyful. You'll attract more of that into your life. So I'm going to teach you four quick techniques. Most of you know these, but ask yourself, am I doing them? Number one, affirmations. So I have an affirmation since I'm reveling in my $6 million a year personal income. Actually, this year it's up to nine on my affirmation card. So you want to have an affirmation describing the result is already achieved. I'm reveling in my income. And I close my eyes every morning. And I feel the feeling. I see the bank account. I see my IRS report. $9 million gross personal income. And then I move to my next thing. This is one I used a number of years ago. I'm enjoying looking at my physically fit 185-pound body in the mirror. Now, if you look at that closely, you'll see my face when I have brown hair cut out and put over a body that was in some muscle magazine. And I put that on my, my mirror every morning. And every time I'd look at that, I'd say, gee, I don't quite look like that. And then I'd go into the gym, I'd lift weights, and I'd eat better and so forth. Now, I'll never look like that. I'm not going to spend six hours in the gym. But it basically motivated me. And it said I'm already experiencing it right now, even though I wasn't. By the way, a great technique, and I put that off on person. Don't freak out in the AV department up there. But I just didn't want you looking at that slide. When you're trying to lose weight, take your scale, and whatever weight you want to weigh, write it on a piece of paper, put it over your scale. So every time you step on your scale, you go, oh, far out, 185. This is cool. <laughs> because see what happens, you step on there and go, shit, 220 pounds, that sucks. And what are you going to attract when you have that? You're going to attract 220 pounds and that sucks. See? So you're basically fooling yourself. You're programming your unconscious to create the 185 or the 115 or whatever you want. When Mark and I were writing Chicken Soup for the Soul, people would say, what are you doing? We're writing a best-selling book. 
We never said we're writing a book. We're writing a best-selling book. And then it changed to we're happily celebrating the sale of 1.5 million copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul. One I have right now is I'm sharing my open, loving heart and deep spiritual wisdom with everyone I meet. You want affirmations for every aspect of your vision, and this is one of mine. So, you state your desired outcome as if it's already happening, feel the feeling, and then you got it. I'm happily driving my new BMW down the highway. I love this idea. You go to the dealership, you take your camera, you sit in the car, you look out the window, and you say, take my picture. I'll be back to buy this in a month or two. Then you take that picture home, blow it up, 8 by 10, 14 by 10, put it on your refrigerator, make it your screensaver, and then it just keeps coming into your consciousness. That's my car, that's my car, that's my car. I did that, I wanted an Audi one year, and about three months after I started, a friend of mine came who actually owned an Audi, and he said, I'm going to Europe for six months, I don't want my car to sit because it needs to run, would you be willing to use my car for the next six months? <laughs> sure, why not? It's a great car. I didn't have to pay for it. Go down to the dealership. Sit in the car. Put your hands on the wheel. Feel the feelings. Get used to it. If you want to stay in world-class hotels like the Four Seasons, go to the Four Seasons. If you can't afford a room there, just sit in the lobby and have a drink. Go to the bar. Have one drink. Sit in the lobby. Watch the rich people come by and say, someday that's me. Or now that's me. Because it is you. You're sitting in the lobby of the Ritz-Carlton. Whatever it might be. Get used to the feeling. Go to the houses. When they have open houses for houses that cost $10 million, go. My wife used to say, why go? We can't afford it. I say, yes, we will be able to. And now I live in a $6.5 million estate. So the point is, you want to get used to the feeling. You don't want to feel uncomfortable. Have you ever been to Rodeo Drive and gone into some of those stores where men's shirts start at like $450, the suits are like $2,000 and up, and you walk in and you go, I don't belong in here. It's almost like they're going to ask you for your Platinum American Express card and you won't have one and they're going to throw you out like you're a homeless person. The truth is, go in there. Try on the shirts. Try on the suits. Before we could afford it, we went into Armani. My wife tried on these suits. She looked incredible. I went, honey, that's you. And she said, I know. And now we can afford them. We couldn't afford them back then. But now we can. So get into the feeling of it. All right, create vision board. How many of you have a vision board or a wish book? Okay. Here's one, a friend of mine, Rick Kinman. He's got all this stuff on it. Here's this, I love this one. Someone just sent me this. This was a woman who was single. She wanted to be married and she wanted to get married in Greece. And you see the pictures she had on her vision board. And then she sends me this. Six months after she made the vision board, she met a guy, he proposed, they got married and they did it in Greece. Came out of the blue. Mark wrote a book called Out of the Blue. It will come out of the blue. Here's some of the things on my vision board. And there's a picture of Oprah, and I was on her show, millions of dollars. I'm working on that body on the left-hand side. <laughs> and more flexibility, getting more sleep. I want to go to the Taj Mahal in India and do some more meditation. Picture of my wife and I enjoy my mortgage paid in full, and so forth and so on. And then I, I ran across this really cool thing on YouTube. You might want to write this down. There's a guy named Malcolm Cohen, C-O-H-A-N. And he has a thing called Think It's So. You just go to YouTube and type in Think It's So. And what he's done now, he's created a proprietary software package where you can take your, your pictures from Google and all these places and you put them into this package. And then what it does, it becomes a screensaver that pops up on your screen and works like a PowerPoint presentation that just keeps rotating by. So Think It's So, Malcolm Cohen, C-O-H-A-N. He's an Australian. 
And once I learned that, what I did, these are just some of the pictures that are in my uh, screensaver now. This one says, I'm feeling exhilarated talking to audiences of 5,000 people or more. I've talked to audiences of 5,000 people or more 10 times in the last three months, including 17,500 screaming women at Arbonne. Amazing. <laughs> a lot of fun. I'm enjoying celebrating total sales of 5 million copies of the Success Principles book and DVD. We are celebrating having sold more than 1 billion copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul books, and we had a person mock up Time Magazine cover for us. I'm thrilled to be working with people in positions of power to create a better world. Turns out the woman who was the correspondence secretary for George Bush had submitted five chicken soup stories. We didn't know. And she comes and says, I'm about to quit and go do another thing. You want to have dinner at the White or lunch at the White House? So we went, and one of the things we got to do was go into the press room where Tony Snow stands up there and goes, yes, question, question. I got to take that picture. I'm sitting up with Mark at 2 o'clock this afternoon, and he says he was with Gene Houston in Greece. Gene Houston is one of the major advisors to Hillary Clinton, and Gene Houston said, we want you and Jack to work with the Democratic Party to help advise them for this new administration to bring more of this consciousness. So that, that was my, in my dream board, you know, my vision board, my, my, my screensaver. I put that in three months ago and now we're, all, we're getting an invitation to play. I'm enjoying playing golf on 12 world-class golf courses around the world. We just played in southern France on one of them. Joyously receiving 26 relaxing massages in 2007, and so on. Third thing, visualization every single day. Now, let me tell you a principle here that's critical. It's called the 30-day the, the principle. Research was done at NASA. They had astronauts wear concave lens goggles for 30 days. Concave lens goggles make your world appear upside down. Imagine 24 hours a day for 30 days, everything's upside down. You're trying to negotiate the stairs, your soup, which looks up there. You've got to reach down here to eat it. They did this to see if they would become nauseous, if they would lose their ability to focus, if they would become hostile. How would they relate to being in outer space when there was no gravity? That was basically the experiment. What they found that they didn't expect to find was that 25 to 30 days into it, every one of the astronauts their brain flipped the image right side up again. Even though the image was coming in upside down, their brain flipped it right side up. What the neuroscientists tell us is it takes 25 to 30 days to create a new neural pathway in your brain. It takes 25 to 30 days to lock in a new belief system. It takes 25 to 30 days to lock in a new habit pattern. It takes 25 to 30 days to have your visualization and affirmation start to change the whole way your brain perceives the world. See, your perception is part of what's controlling your reality. Right now, you're not aware of what you're feeling in your right foot, but as soon as I say right foot, you're aware of it. But as soon as I say left hand, that's where your awareness goes. So the reality is you're, all these things were streaming into your brain, but your reticular system was filtering out everything, probably, but, but what I was saying.
But as soon as I say right foot, it changes. So as soon as you start visualizing and you do that for 30 days, the reticular system in your brain says start letting in everything that will help us become a millionaire or solve world hunger or work with the president or whatever it might be. So you want to be visualizing for 30 days in a row without fail, whatever it is you want. Because they did an experiment where on day 15, they had the, half the astronauts take their glasses off, put them on back on day 16, took another 25 to 30 days before the phenomenon occurred again. So you must do 25 to 30 days. Does that make sense? That's one reason most people's affirmations don't work. It's one reason a lot of the seminars they take don't work, because they don't take the tools and do them every day for 30 days. It's like that 10-24-7 idea. The repetition over and over locks it into the unconscious and also opens up the perceptual uh, field for you and also programs universal consciousness out there in the world. Okay, this is one of the most powerful tools that Mark and I have discovered. It's called Act As If. You all know you start acting like a millionaire before you're a millionaire. Here's a cool technique. It's called the come as you'll be party. Have any of you done a come as you'll be party? Okay, here's what you do. Mark and I went to a party. We, we belonged to an organization we helped create called the Inside Edge. Had 100 cutting edge people like Barbara DeAngelis was a member, Tony Robbins a member, and so forth. And they had a party on the Queen Mary. And what we did was we got there and they had paparazzi taking all our pictures and big red carpet, and we had to act as if it were five years in the future and we had achieved every one of our goals. And for three hours, everyone had to pretend it was five years later. People were walking around with books they'd written, people were walking around, their cell phone would ring, and they'd say things like, um, oh, that's good, yeah, buy 5,000 shares. Yeah, no, no, sell those. Yeah, 10,000 of those. Oh, good, call you back later. And they were trading all these great stocks. I was doing this party with one of my seminars recently, and this kid, 26, was walking around with his cell phone going, Jennifer, I told you don't call me here. No. And then the phone would ring in. Jennifer, leave me alone. No, I know, I know I was the best lover you ever had. I know, honey. I know I was the most sensitive person. Oh, I know you love me. I'm sorry, I just have to move on. Finally, by the end of the evening, he takes one more call. He goes, J-Lo, leave me alone. I'm sick of it. You know? And people were showing us pictures of the boats they owned and the Argentinian um, uh, ranches they'd bought and, and the camps they'd set up for homeless children and on and on and on. Now, if you do that for two or three hours and just stay in that space, that's the most powerful act as if we've ever figured out how to make happen. Go home. If you buy my book, I think it's chapter 11. It's called Act As If. There's a whole section on how to create a come as you'll be party. There's an invitation in there you can mock up and send out to people. But really do that. It's one of the most powerful things you can ever do. Now, let me move this toward closure here. I just want to talk about one last thing. Let me find it for you real quick here. One of the principles that we work with is if you want to learn, you've got to stay motivated with the masters. You know, Harv talked about the masters. And so principle number eight in my system is stay motivated with the masters. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You come to sessions like this. You take the peak performance, you know, ultimate seminar package, whatever. You keep being exposed to masterful ideas and masterful people. Shared that cartoon with you. Here's a guy named Jeff Arch. How many of you know who Jeff Arch is? See, most of you have never heard of Jeff Arch, but you will know him in a second. Jeff Arch one day was sitting there and he was miserable, his life sucked. And he said, you know, I'm watching these infomercials on TV and I'm seeing all these people talk about the money they make and, and I've always thought that was BS, didn't work. 
But, you know, their lives seemed to be working pretty well. They got money. They're on TV. I'm not. He wanted to be a playwright. He'd written two plays. They failed miserably. His wife said, get a real job. We have a kid coming. And he was running a karate studio, and he was miserable. And so what he did was he said, I'm going to buy an audio program. The audio program sold for $149. He ordered it, and he listened to it, and it changed his life. He said, wow, I got to go for my dream. I have to shoot one more time for my passion. So he quit his job as the karate studio, and he said, I'm going to write one more screenplay or one more play. He wrote a screenplay, and it was about a movie, kind of James Bond, you know, Russians versus Americans. He took it to, uh, to California, and the day he went there, the Berlin Wall fell, and everyone said, we just don't want a Cold War movie anymore for a while because the Berlin Wall just fell down. Context isn't right. He said, before I listened to that audio program, I would have said, the world sucks. See, this is just one more example. I get screwed. He said, but the truth is, I realized I had just made a decision where I picked a topic that wasn't timeless. And then I said, okay, what's a timeless topic? That nothing, the changes in the world can change it. He said, love, love, love. Everyone loves love. Doesn't matter what happens in the world about love. Then he said, what's the typical love story? Boy meets girl, there's some problem. You know, Romeo and Juliet, two different warring families, can't get together. West Side Story, two different gangs, can't get together. Look who's coming to dinner, black guy, white woman. And we can go down the list. There's always this thing, you got to get through it. Finally, they, they get together, end of story, everyone's happy. He said, what if I do something totally different? What if they don't meet until the last scene of the movie? That's never been done. So he wrote a little, he wrote a little screenplay called Sleepless in Seattle. And that screenplay earned him $500,000. And now every screenplay he writes is worth a million dollars. Because he's now a, a class A, you know, top tier screenwriter in LA. And what happened was one audio program that changed his life forever. $149 investment turned into $500,000. So success principle number nine is you got to learn more to earn more. Rhonda Byrne, who did The Secret, her life was miserable. Her daughter came to her and gave her a book. It was called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. How many of you have read that book? You'll hear Bob Proctor talked about that tremendously tomorrow. It's the book that changed his life. It's a book that later I read after Think and Grow Rich and other books that changed my life. She reads this book. She gets so excited about it. She says, why doesn't everyone know this? She goes out and she spends, I said, she bought 300 books over the course of about four months. She read 300 books on law of attraction, science of success. Her investment was probably close to $1,000. Maybe more, a couple thousand, three thousand dollars. Now she goes and she makes a movie called The Secret, and what happens is that movie costs three million dollars to make. They've sold over three million copies. They've made ninety million dollars based on her willingness to become a student to learn more. And as a result of that, a producer who was, you know, okay in, in Australia, now has a home about a block from Oprah, is working on a second movie, is working with Harpo Productions to create a reality show on The Secret, because she was willing to invest in her growth. Here's somebody who read my book. Look at all the little tabs in there. They've studied it more than I did. It's amazing. We've talked about a couple of principles of success. It's just the tip of the iceberg. So final story. Woman calls her minister. Says, Reverend Jim, I just came back from the hospital and they've diagnosed me with terminal cancer. I wonder if you could come over this afternoon. He says, sure, of course, Aunt Hattie, I'll come over. Goes over to her house, he tries to comfort her. She says, don't comfort me, I'm, I'm fine, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't understand the healing. I just want to plan my funeral. Would you help me plan my funeral? 
And she says, he says, of course, I'll help you plan your funeral. She says, I want to be buried in this dress. I want this hymn sung. I want these kind of flowers. I want a memory card that you give to all the people that came. I want my picture on it. This is my favorite poem. I'd like that on it. And she went on all the things she wanted. And then she said, I want to be buried with my family Bible in my left hand and a fork in my right hand. And he says, well, I understand the Bible, Aunt Hattie. You're a very religious person. But why the fork? He says, you know, whenever we have... He says, you know, whenever we have a church social and they're coming by to collect the plates after we've had a dinner down in the basement of the church, whenever there's going to be a really great dessert, something like apple pie or cherry pie or peach cobbler or chocolate cake, they always say, keep your fork. And whenever they say, keep your fork, I know we're going to have a really great dessert. So they're going to come by my casket and they're going to look in. And they're going to go, Reverend Jim, I understand the Bible. Aunt Hattie was very religious, but why the fork? Just look him in the eye and say, Aunt Hattie knew the best was still yet to come. And so for all of you, if you take these principles that you're learning here from all the different teachers, not just mine, but all of them, this whole three days becomes like a total gestalt. Everything I would have said that I didn't, someone else is going to say. You're going to get the full package. But if you'll go back and put them into practice, and if you take the things I have, and if they're attracted to you, or you're attracted to them, put them into practice. Do the work. Because there is some time to put in. And if it feels good and it's fun, continue to do it. If it's not, don't. If you put the work in, you keep your consciousness clear, and you think the thoughts, you create a vibrational match, I promise you, for each and every one of you, the best is still yet to come. Thank you. Have a great life. It's been a pleasure and an honor to speak to you. Thank you very much.